Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back live on the Philippe Matthews Show, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I have got a new sensation that has uh, been around for a while, but to get ready to get bigger and better, uh, Pete Gutter is with me today. He's a self-made entrepreneur currently in negotiations. Uh, for his own clothing line and just released a new single that is headed to the national charts. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Uh, but he's also uh, uh, doing auditions lined up for the uh, movie uh, Barbershop Number no. 3, starring Ice Cube and Cedric the Entertainer. Pete Gutter, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Good to be on. <laughs> Talk to me, man. How did this whole thing start, uh, start with music? I know you're an entrepreneur now and you're kind of moving on with the lifestyle uh, game, uh, but this all started with uh, music, did it not? Yes, sir, it did. Um, actually, it started, if you want to talk music, uh, it, it started way back uh, when I was still in high school, um, as a lot of as a lot of people did uh, when I was coming up, uh, just in, you know, just in ciphers that would break out either in the lunchroom or out in the courtyard after school, um, until a little bit later, uh, I got snatched up by a DJ who uh, asked me if I ever recorded? I, I I didn't even know you know people who didn't who weren't signed to major record labels could record. So of course <laughs> I did it. And uh, he put me in the you know he took me to his house. He had, you know he had his whole turntable microphone set up right in his crib. And um, you know at that time you know they were still recording with cassette tapes. So yeah, he 90, yeah he had the ninety minute tape. It was forty five minutes on each side. <laughs> I remember that man. I remember that. Yeah. So he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna play records," and he was like, "I just want you to, you know, just whatever comes to you, whatever you want to say, just whatever you do, don't stop." So he just turned the music on, and I just went, and we filled up one side of the tape. He flipped it over. <laughs> I want you to do the same thing. Whatever you do, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> Spielberg couldn't have wrote that, right? This is great. This is fantastic. So he, he flipped it over, and um, it just, when it, a record would run out, he put another record on, and we just kept going. And when we were done that night, uh, we had 90 minutes of just non-stop bars. No, you know, no hooks, no no nothing, just just straight, <laughs> uh, just straight rapping. And um, that was really, when he sat me down, he was like, I did not expect you to be able to do that. <laughs> he gave me the instructions not knowing um that I would be able to fulfill the task. Wow. But uh wow. that, was really, that was really the birth of, of me realizing that uh my my talents was a little bit uh different than, than my peers and that it was something that I should take seriously. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh I remember years and years ago actually having an interview with Curtis Blow. Okay. And uh, it was in Chicago where I'm from. He was in town. And, uh, you know, it was, for me, uh, especially at that time, that was kind of like, you know, uh, probably interviewing like Michael Jackson or something because it was the dude who was one of the first cats to rap. You know, it was like Sugar Hill Gang and all of that. So I'm like, I'm sitting here with Curtis Blow. I I don't believe this is happening right now. Who Who was your inspiration back in the day uh, that inspired you, that you listened to, and, and uh, when, when hip-hop literally was first getting started? Um, I t- I'll tell you the truth. Like, my my introduction um, to hip-hop was, was kind of um, was delayed um, because, you know, the household that I grew up in was, like, totally opposite to secular music. 
Okay. Um, so it was like I kind of had to get my introductions to hip hop like in bits and in pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what I actually what I actually did was one day was you know when I got like a little a piece of change I got my hands on a uh, on a KRS one tape. Mm. Now when I say a KRS one tape, I'm not talking about an album. I'm talking about a single. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The name, the name of the song was called One Love. And it, mm. it, it, I think it had like three or four versions of that song. So I would go in my bedroom and, you know, I would get on the floor and have the, the, um, the portable tape recorder like right up to my ear. And for whatever span of time, until <laughs> my mother came in the room. <laughs> that, was, that was my exposure for the day um, to hip hop, but it was I was so fortunate because it was KRS One. It was like if it was going to be anybody, absolutely be in the room with, like that's the man. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so. That's right. That's that's right. That's like being locked in a room with Malcolm X, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> That, you can't get better better than that. I mean, my God, that was great. So, so obviously that you you were absorbed with that, and and it, it, when did you realize that this is something you could not only that you were good at, but hey, you out there can make a living at doing this. Um, I, I'll tell you the truth. Um, in the area uh, where I grew up in uh, upstate New York, um, I'm actually in the capital. I'm in Albany, New York. A lot of people think it's New York City, but um, it's Albany. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's close to New York City, but yet it's so far. Mm-hmm. In, in the car driving, you know, the way that I drive, I can get from my house to the Tappan Zee Bridge in about two hours and twenty minutes. Um, and you would you would think that it was on the other side of the world, just because the makeup uh, of New York City and the makeup of my hometown. Mm-hmm. Totally opposite. So there's like here, there's no, there's not, there's there's nothing going on for somebody who expires to be in any mode of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's nobody looking for for actors or or singers. You know, if they're looking for musicians, it's to play, you know, in a in an orchestra. So it's like just the, just the makeup and the complexion is different out here. But it did have a, but it did have an underground. So the mm. underground, uh, so the underground out here was the the mom and pop stores, where we would we had a store we had two stores we had Music Shack and we had Strawberries, so those were the two places that you could go, and all, all the DJs they would all go to get their records, but at the same time they would also support local artists. Mm-hmm. So for my area, you know, making it as an artist as far as you know making it into a record store it was like if you could make a CD and, and get it into that store for our area like that was making it. When I looked at cats do that, my mind frame was, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going from, you know, giant aspirations as far as starting out with KRS-One. So it's like I'm looking at KRS and, and his ability, and when I turn on the television – you know, I see him, him, him there, and he, and he's throwing it on the store. Like he, he's not on the corner and happy to be like in that store. So it's like it opened my brain up to wanting more than just to be in the in the little mom and pop store around the corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't satisfied with that. I, I already knew with with my talent and and the drive that I had and the business mind that I had. Like I, I knew I could do that with my eyes closed. That was not a, a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that the same time that I was putting together my first album, the internet was exploding. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it was it was exploding, but from a from a marketing level, it wasn't tapped into. People were still experimenting with guerrilla marketing online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was fortunate to have somebody on my team who sat me down and said, "Look, I know you're going you know really hard with your street promotion." But it was like if you really want to get your music out there on a on a bigger scale, you don't have to wait to get picked up by a major label. I can teach you how to market yourself on the internet. 
And because of that guidance, my very first album sale was in Germany. Wow. My, my very first registered album sale wow. was nowhere near my block. That's crazy as hell. Wow. So, How did that feel? Was I like, listen, here, you know, I hear artists all the time when they first hear their, their, their track <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> did you have that same feeling when you when you, when you saw that sale cake come in from Germany and know that somebody in Germany is listening to you? And it, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, it was it was bigger than just somebody in Germany is listening to my music. The 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 the, the um the mind blowing thing for me was I won't say mind blowing, but I would I would say the thing that really let me know um, that this is something to stick with was. I always deal from the aspect of, let's talk about uh, residual income, I'll put it that way. That's really what, what drew me to music, mm-hmm. was the aspect of you could you could do something one time and get repaid repeatedly over and over for doing that one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by me seeing that, that sale register in Germany, the light bulb that went off for me was, I can duplicate this. If I can sit in my house and I can sell albums in Germany, well, you know how many countries exist in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So it was like it, it, it was for for me, it was the the excitement was I I, I got the blueprint. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. All I have to do is expand on what I already did, and I'll be successful. And everybody else in my neighborhood was still scratching their head and, and trying to figure it out. I already I already had the keys. So something what I'm hearing is is you know now a lot of a lot of uh, uh, cats that 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 started out in hip hop and the rap industry come from all different walks of life, but it sounds like you really truly were like the business entrepreneur cat who also had the skills. Sometimes it's one or the other. Sometimes you have the rap skills, but you don't have the business, and some sense, and then sometimes you have the business sense, but you really don't have the rapping skills. Uh, and then you've got a street game, and then the, the – so so. where do you – we know how you got your chops for rap. Where did you get your big business acumen from, do you think? Um, I mean, I definitely um, – once once I got out from underneath the, the shelterings um, of, of my household, I would say I really started experimenting out in the street on my own when I started turning, like, I would say like fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so from from a street aspect, I was definitely taught, you know, like I said, how to, how to go out and and market a product, and and from a from a business standpoint, you know how to how to take your money and not you know not just spend all your money, but you, how you reinvest it back into your business. Now, it's a it was it was an illegal product that I had, but the business model was something that can be applied to anything. Mhm. Mhm. So, so from that aspect, when I when I saw that 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 road was not something that was going to lead to success, a lot of people, you know, they try to they they lie to themselves or you know they just become wrapped up in that lifestyle. But I I always move forward with my eyes open, and what my eyes kept seeing was everybody would get to a certain point and they would get locked up. They would get to a certain point, and you know, and then they were you know they weren't on the planet anymore. They were dead. So it was like that's to, to me. I was like, there's there's no longevity in this thing. So it's time to to try you know something else. But I took those tools that I had and I just and I reapplied it. And outside of that, I always had the same drive. You can't sit on a nine to five and make the same money that that you're making out in the street. Mm-hmm. So it was like. Trying to make that transition for a lot of people, they try it and they're like, "I can't, I can't do it. I can't, you know, I, I can't go from, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour to seven fifty. Like, it, like the math is it, it, coaches. Yeah, it, it don't add up. Yeah, yeah it's just it, not happening. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So what I started doing was I started taking on jobs that were sales jobs, because with sales jobs you don't get paid by the hour, you get paid by how much work you put in. Mm-hmm. So I was like that was a concept that made sense to me, and from sales jobs, and it became um, you know there's a there's a lot of uh, direct marketing companies, you know work work from homes and things like of that such, that taught me like a whole 
another side of the game, but at the same time, they would they would match you up with people who were already millionaires, and they would sit down at the table and they would feed you as much information as you was willing to apply to your own business. They would freely give you that information. Mm-hmm. So I'm soaking all of this up, and uh, when it when it came time for me to start marketing my music, I had this this uh, this this immense amount of information um, that was stored in my brain that I was able to re- reapply to a whole different product, and uh, it just it, it worked out. The rules of business don't change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it, it pretty you know it's going to change a little bit depending on the product. But the principles are the same. Absolutely, absolutely. When did you launch Upstate Music Group? Uh, I launched Upstate Music Group uh, the same time that I launched my first album. Um, okay. I had, I had, I had really originally, you know, just planned on, you know, signing with, uh, with you know, with another label. It didn't have to be a major label, but I planned on being on somebody's label. I was, you know, <laughs> really just in artist mode. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna make an album. And I'm gonna shop the album, and I and I did. I shopped it with different industry management and stuff like that. And the, the shocking thing was, is they they turned me down not because they didn't like my music. I found out that they turned me down because they they didn't see a space for them to be able to come in and make money because I didn't give them a demo. I gave them a full album. I produced mm-hmm. the album myself. I mm-hmm. engineered the album myself. I did all the graphics for the album myself. I packaged it and pressed it up myself. Oh my um, gosh! When they're sitting wow. there with this product, they're like, "They had no margin." He doesn't need me. That's right. basically what, what they're saying to me. Like, you don't need us. There's no, there's no, there's no way for me to get my foot in here to, 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 to justify my twenty five percent. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was like I almost. I did like too much, but I did too much out of necessity. Because, like I said, the place where I grew up and where I was operating, there's nothing here. There's no producers here. There's no there's no real managers here. There's you know there's no graphics. Like it's, it's like there's nothing. So I had to, I had to be everything. And um, the the engineer who actually sat me down, his uh his brother, is uh is Levi Stitt, who wrote a lot tons of songs for uh for Rick James and. He was um, grew up in Buffalo uh, with, uh, with with Prince, and he was from he was from that area. But but he mm-hmm. he was he was you know deeply immersed in the in the music industry uh, for like fifteen years. Mm. So he told me he was like he said, "Don't be discouraged that they're saying no." He's like, "Keep going forward." He was like, "Be your own boss, start your own label, and release your own work." And he's like, "You ain't got to work." He's like, "You obviously don't need nobody." So. Stop acting like you need somebody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he, he awakened that part of my mind that I don't have to just be an artist on somebody's label. Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I can stay in control of my own destiny. And I just took that and expanded on it, and that's where we're at today. That's absolutely incredible. Um, when you started in hip-hop, <coughs> what was... You know, there, there's been a transition, obviously. When hip-hop started, it was uh, positive, happy, dancing, uh, dissing, dissing the other guy, talking about your chains, how many women you got, uh, and, you, you know, sucking MCs, all of that. Uh, now, it's just kill you. And, it, you know, it's, 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 it's become very hard. <laughs> um, and then it went through another transition. Then it became hip hop. Also went through kind of what I call the Malcolm X phase with KRS One people like that, where it was politically and socially meaningful. You know, it really taught you. You know, it's like listening to hip hop was like you know uh, Black History uh, every day, all day. And I really, and, I with the with the state of like forget about music, with the state of the of the world. Right now, like I really, I really um, took for granted how powerful a song and a movement like self destruction really was. Yeah, man, I remember that because you know you have artists right now who will go out and they'll put out you know what's called you know a conscious record or even 
a record about what's currently going on right now. Yeah. But you what you what you won't have like the mainstream heavyweights of the industry all coming together and 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 collectively um combining all of their fan bases to look in this one direction all at the same time. Mhm. Mhm. We have we haven't had that since the 90s. Right. That's right. And I and I really believe it's going to take like something like that because of the because of the way that the 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 youth really are are using pop culture to to base their whole lives on. It's going to take something like that to to begin to start steering them in a, in a different direction. But um but I really I really believe like self-destruction was like the most incredible thing to like ever happen in hip hop and I really wish I really wish we could have something like that happen again. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I uh, for some reason, I was uh, uh, watching that video uh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> and it was just as meaningful now exactly. as it was then, which really blew me away. You know how you have something that you don't you, you you don't hear about it, don't go back or see it for ten, twenty years or whatever, and it's like, yeah. wow, uh, it, you know. Do you think something like that for all of the, the, the major artists in hip-hop right now would be able to come together and, and create a socially conscious uh, piece to, to, to uh, steer, steer this new generation in, in the right direction? Do you think it's possible now? It's never, it's never too late. Some, somebody would say, you know, would, is it possible back then? Because just like you said, even even though to a certain extent, um, the 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 con- conscious rap definitely was more more mainstream at that time than it is right now. You still you had people who had real beefs. Like forget about music. These these are people who had real beefs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that came together and did these songs. That's true. That's true. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you That's know true. these cameras come off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like I know this is not normal. 
I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So, so talk, talk to me about your music now, man. What's about uh, what, what's going on with your music now? The new track that you have uh, out. What's what's happening? Where where you are? Where you want to be? Um. So so right now, uh, the track that we're promoting, um, heavily right now, just because really that's it's what the people chose, is uh is Twitter Crush. Um, okay. So, so Twitter Crush is definitely, I believe the the name of the song sounds like something that would be gimmicky or, or or dated or not one of those songs that you'd be able to go back twenty years and listen to and it and it still be relevant. Um, but I actually made sure that the way that I arranged the song, it was something that was that was timeless and was something that everybody whether you ever went to a computer in your life or not, could could still relate to mm, the, story. Mm-hmm. The, the the story. So it's like I I always make sure because of my roots of, of where I came from, and at the end of the day, I'm always going to be a lyricist. It doesn't really matter what arena that you put me in. Like mm. that, lyric, that lyricist side of me is like not going to let me put down bubblegum. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the, when that. the song was actually first presented to me, I was like, hell no, I ain't doing that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it really was. Um, the, the it was very professionally presented to me. Um, from a business aspect, and mm-hmm. the business aspect was, at the time when I recorded the song, Twitter wasn't even as big as it is now. Mm-hmm. At the time mm-hmm. I recorded the song. If you typed in hashtag Twitter Crush on Twitter, like the timeline was infinite. If you went to YouTube, like everybody was talking about, like it was it was a serious phenomenon. That just, just, just that word, and, and actually, it's it spawned things like you know MCM and WCW, but it all it all it all started with Twitter Crush, and um, I just wanted to make sure I was like, okay, if we're gonna go with this, let me make sure that I put something down that I could play in my CD, and I would actually like it. If I if I put the song together, and and the engineer plays it back, and we're done, and I don't like the song, I'm not putting it out. I don't care care what fan base we're trying to grab. It's like if I don't like it, my conscience won't let me release it. Sure, Um, sure. So instead of it just being like a song, a gimmicky song, I sat sat down and I actually put together a complete storyline for an entire album. Mm. So the start of the album is two people who find each other on Twitter and start flirting with each other online and it actually blossoms into a real relationship. Nice. Twitter, nice. Twitter Twitter song is the is the first act uh of a, of a play pretty much you can you can put it that way. Kind of like the same thing that um R Kelly did with In the Closet. Okay, okay. It's featuring Tamika A Amar. Tamika Amar, yes. Tamika Amar. Okay, Tamika Amar. Um, Yes, sir. Fantastic. She's an amazing, Fantastic. amazing singer. She's very accomplished. Um, she just actually got signed um, with a uh, with a funk band. So now she's a lead singer um, for a funk funk band, and she's obviously out on tour uh, right now. But she was somebody who who I found in the business world who I had no idea could sing. Uh, our relationship, like I said, it was definitely it was a business relationship. She didn't know I could rap. I didn't know she could sing. We ended up bumping into each other in the very same studio. I was going there to record a track. She was going there to record a track. Wow. Okay. And he told her, like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> How cool is that? That is yeah. so cool. So, um, I, I actually, like I said, I, I write everything. Um, so even songs, even if I have a, a singer on a track, um, like I go into the booth and I sing it. So even if I know, like, I'm the final recording, I'm, my voice is not going to be there. I still go into the booth, and then I sing it, and then I use that for the reference track, and then they go behind me, and uh, and then they go ahead and they do that. But I'm really glad um, that she sung it because uh, what she did on that track is way beyond <laughs> what I did for a record. <laughs> and, that's, and that's really why it was important to me, like, to put – Make sure her name was in the credits. Like, there's tons of songs out there where there's other people featured on a song, singing background stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You might credit somewhere, but their name is not like on the title of the song. I was like, she 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 took that song 
and did what I heard in my head. Nice. When I first came up with the idea. That's a gift. But I never had to say anything to her. Mm -hmm. So it was like that. It was like she was meant to be on the track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus it's that you are such a good visionary and being able to explain your vision. It's so real uh, that, that you're able to transfer that to another human being. Uh, that comes out as truth. That's a that's part of your gift. So that was that was definitely a magical moment in the studio. And then, um, man, once we once we released that record, it took on a life of its own. We didn't we didn't have to do much promotion for that record. Um, the my my city is known for waiting for music to pop somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhere else, then it'll get support here. Mm-hmm. Um, that song was the exact opposite. Um, I got some friends uh, who are DJs at the local radio station, and they heard the record. I didn't present the record to them. They heard it through one of their friends that was like, man, you got to hear this record. <laughs> How cool is that? And they contacted me. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know it's real, right? That's when you know it's real. Exactly. That's awesome. And that's, and that's how like, I really like I, I really prefer like everything that I'm doing um, to be presented. Like I understand the the power of exposures, and I understand that it takes more than one exposure before somebody really pays attention. But all of that kind of is negated if the very first exposure is not from you. You kind of you kind of get to like leap over. Those two to three, but like that first exposure is almost like three exposures. If it comes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's brilliant. I will always uh, prefer for my music or whatever it is um, to be presented to somebody who's a person of interest. So as an artist, the DJs at the radio station for you, that's a person of interest. The per- the PD at the at the station for you, that's a person of interest. Um, so I never want to be the guy, you know, running up to him with my demo, like, you know, please listen to this. Or, mm-hmm, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not that dude. Like, <laughs> I've accomplished too much, and my pride won't let me do that. But, um, but yeah, they got wind of the record, and um, I turned on the radio, and they was blasting the record, man. And it just, it, it just, it just caught on like wildfire, um, to the point where right now the whole we got PDs at, at radio stations all across the country. That's like, please let us know if we can start playing this record. So it's a, wow, that is awesome. It's a That's incredible position to be in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so so here you are now turning into you started with the music, but you're kind of turning into a serial entrepreneur and a lifestyle entrepreneur. Talk to me about this. Uh, <coughs> talk to me about your your uh, clothing line uh, with Jimmy Jazz. All right. So right now, um, this is this is so crazy. Like things just. Things for me always seem to happen out of necessity, not you know just because I you know I think I'll you know wake up well, I think I'm gonna have a clothing line like it then. <laughs> okay. Like you know starting out you know young in high school or whatever you know you see you have you know brands like like Wackerware that that came from you know artists like Jay Z and stuff like that. So of course mm-hmm. you're like you're you, you, in your back in your mind you're like I want you know I want to have my own song John and Wackerware and stuff like that. But that's just like a thought in your head. But when it really comes down to it. Um, you know, unless you have the infrastructure and, and the capital to do something like that, that's really not realistic until you reach a certain point in your career. Um, so I was actually slated to go on tour. I got booked for for a tour. I was assigned to a national booking agency. They had a bunch of tour dates lined up. And the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, i got to be fresh. Uh, but now you have a list of tour dates, so it's like, it's not like, okay, i got to be fresh at the club. It's like, no, like, you have to be fresh, like, every day. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. That can get expensive as hell. So like, <laughs> <laughs> we need to contact some people, otherwise, all the money I'm supposed to be making doing these shows, I'm gonna be spending on my wardrobe. Mm-hmm, um, we, mm-hmm. we started contracting um, other different uh, clothing lines, and uh, the bottom line was they were interested, definitely interested, but they were taking longer to get back to me with you know the final contract, and my tour dates were coming up a little bit too faster than they were moving. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do like tour, tour T-shirts, and uh, I'm not gonna really worry about it. And then uh, the person that I actually sat down with finally to get my shirts done, he started his own 
clothing line. And he so when he started seeing the ideas that I had, he was like, man, he was like, why are you why are you doing towards these? So he was like, start your own line, rock your own clothes, and all that work that you would have been doing to promote somebody else's brands, like you can be building up the brand for your music and the brand of your clothing line all at the same time. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I like the way you think. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody said that to you back in the day about the music, uh-huh. Yep. So, you know, I really just planned on making, you know, clothes, wearing them at my shows, and then just selling them, you know, as merch at, at the particular shows. Um, really didn't plan on doing much outside of that other than, of course, having a website to get it. And uh, I just started out by uh, I have I had a pretty good following on Facebook. And I just, you know, I, I taught myself how to be a graphic designer, also out of necessity. Um, and then, uh, so I already knew, you know, how to make designs. So I was just making designs on a computer and just posting them on my page. Mm-hmm. This is not actually clothing. These are just designs of clothing that will one day exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People were trying to buy the designs. So I'm hitting people back. Like, they're trying to ask, they're asking, you know, like, where's my PayPal? Like, how do they send the money? And I'm like, hey. Wow, now how cool is that? Like, this stuff don't exist. <laughs> <And> they <laughs> was like, well, we don't care. Like, we like it. We want to buy it. Here's the money. Let us know when it does exist, and we'll get it. So I had, like, a whole pre-sale campaign, like, out of thin air, just from post Wow. That's when I knew, like, <laughs> all right, I really got something that not just I like, like, the people actually, you know, forced this to happen. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, since it was on Facebook, like, it wasn't my fan page. It was my personal page. Oh, wow. So, okay. Well, yeah. So, the, like, I had, like, as many friends as you could possibly have on Facebook. I can't accept them more friends. Like, I'm, I'm, I, if people send me friend requests, all I can say is go to my fan page. It's full. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have, I have a serious following in my area. And, uh. So I said, since all these people are right where I live, I was like, I think I need to make it available, like, in a store um, mm-hmm. where I live. So that the people, because I was like, I'm not going to be running around <laughs> making <laughs> clothes deliveries. I got, I yeah, got right? <laughs> I was like, I need, I need to have, like, one central location where people can Yeah, go. exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't want to meet you like that, B. I, B, I don't want to meet you like that. And you do you do have people that are kind of disappointed because you know when you're when you are selling a, a, a product whether it's music or whatever you really are selling yourself first. Sure. And, you know, people, a lot of people support me and my music and my clothing line just because they genuinely like me as a person. Mm-hmm. Like whether, mm-hmm. If I if I didn't do music at all, if they never heard me you know, drop one song or, or have one piece of clothing, like, they would still want to hang out with me. They would still mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. do business with me. So it was like that that type of reputation that I built up for myself, they knew that anything that I put together, number one, it wasn't going to be something that I'm doing today and I'm doing something totally different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And they knew it was going to be quality. Because mm-hmm. I, I always put that into, when it was when it was just music, the, the packaging, I, I spared no expense. Even though I, I'm, a, I'm a great graphic designer, I still went out and hired a graphic designer mm-hmm. just for the just for the resume that they had alone, that these are the people who are making designs for everybody that you see on the shelf. Well, that's the same person that's doing my design. So it's like it's mm-hmm. more than just about, about the quality. It was the, 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 the total story and the total package that I always uh, felt that the, the customer deserved because they were giving me their money. Mm-hmm, sure, absolutely. Right, so people didn't mind spending money with me because they knew what they were getting in return. They knew they wasn't going to get a shirt that they were going to put in the wash and the design was going to crack, peel, and fall off, and the shirt was going to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they knew mm-hmm. that I wouldn't associate myself with anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was really, it really, it, it, to me, it became, it was too easy. Like I was like, I know this is not like how it happens. <laughs> but, Once again, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> like, this is not how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but really, a lot of people tell me it's like you know it's I they they all tell me like I deserved it. They say you worked for it, you deserve it. Everybody knows what you're doing now. But and it sounds like you surround yourself with the best people, and I think that's the critical part of being a good business person. Is that when you you know I just had a I just had a uh, interview with uh, Daniel Baldwin, and we were talking about 
uh, some of the great actors and actresses that he uh, is producing and directing now. And and he basically said, you know, if you have uh, all A-listers uh, in your film uh, and, and on your crew, all you have to do is just show up in the morning. Yes, sir. So that sounds like exactly what you have done from day one, uh, even with your music. So it only makes sense that you would do the same thing and have the same uh, uh, code of ethics with with, with your uh, clothing. With the clothing, yeah. So um, I mean, one thing that I did was I. Now, how can people get? In, how can people find this? And where can people go? What's your? I mean, I mean, right now the easiest thing to do is to go straight to the. Uh, I set up a whole website just that's just for the clothing. Like it has nothing to do with the music or, or anything else. Like it's okay. for the clothing. So it's it's home, H O M E baked B A K E D clothing dot com. They can just go okay. home base clothing dot com, and we have the whole gambit up there. And as a matter of fact, I just started um, a new collection. That is a derivative of home-baked clothing. It's called Soul Food. It's Soul Food spelled um, S-O-L-E, um, and it's and it's it is it's, it's directed right at sneakerheads and hype beasts. Um, that's like really the wave right now. Is you know the the newest kicks coming out right now. One problem that a lot of people was running into is they would go and get you know these these fly kicks like in these crazy colors, and then they would go to the store, other stores in the mall, and they couldn't find anything to match. Because the, the the stores are not releasing their clothes based on the sneakers that are coming out, you know that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. not how clothing lines are, are built. Um, <laughs> and when I when I saw that you know that gaping hole, I was like, oh wow, here's a need that I can fill. Um, so we so we also have Soul Food um, by Home Baked Clothing, but both of those both of those collections are on the website, um, and people are like I said people are loving it. Um, I did something really strategic when I did decide to put it in stores I made sure that I got it inside of a store that was in the biggest mall in my area so the biggest mm-hmm. mall, my most popular mall in my area is Crossgates Mall and um, what happened is uh, the, the the first store that decided to carry my product um, they're right next uh, they're right in between like Dick's Sporting Goods and Finish Line and, and Macy's um, and it drew a lot of attention because none of these other stores have this product. Mm-hmm. So, so of course, you know, they, now you have an exclusivity. Yeah, the, the envy, envy thing starts setting in. Like, you know, who, what what is this product, and why don't well, we? Well, we want some. We want uh, some, uh, some of this. Why, why can't we sell this? Exactly. Fantastic. Um, so, Smart. So a lot of different companies started contacting me. Um, but I'm kind of I'm taking my time with it. Um, you know, we just. I, I just uh, got the paperwork, you know, done on my company like the end of November. So we're still a we're still a baby. Uh, we're just we're growing really fast. But I never want to be like a victim of my own success. I don't want to sabotage myself um, by trying to grow quicker than I can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely we're staying in negotiations with everybody. We just tell them, um, you know, don't go nowhere. <laughs> we're not going nowhere. Um, but just be patient with us, and I want to make sure that this thing is, is done the right way so that it's something that I'll actually be able to hand down to my kids and I'll be able to hand down to their kids. I don't want to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Smart man, smart man. Sound like Dan Dash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Same philosophy, actually, in business. Yeah. Now, what's going on with Barbershop, number three? What's going on with that? Um. So, yeah, so that's something else. Um. Like I said, once you... Once you've made um, a, a name for yourself, um, that's really what I did with the music. I made a name um, for myself. Then it's like it's all about, you know, diversifying your portfolio mm-hmm. um, into other things. And, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to find where I can get the next income stream from. So, you know, it's, it's another avenue that I was approached um, by, and, and they want me to... Um, you know, start diving into that. So we have some offers come in, and um, and we're gonna see, you know, how how it goes. I mean, to me, I feel like it's not gonna be a stretch for me, um, as far as getting into acting, because when I perform, um, whether it's in the studio or whether I'm performing live, there's stories that I'm telling. With mm-hmm. 
not just mm-hmm. it's not just you know just just like I said I'm not, I don't, I'm not a battle rapper so it's like I'm not just spitting words out there just to see the most clever you know, most clever way that I can get them out there I'm always telling a story and and my producer slash engineer the first thing that he told me um you know when I when I thought you know I had an incredible rhyme was you know the rhyme is great you know your delivery is is energetic but he was like you need to you need to feel each word and mm-hmm. if if you're saying a, a sentence and if that sentence is angry then yeah come across angry but if you're telling a joke he was like like laugh a little bit like why you're saying it so he's like he he ta- he taught me how to how to act out the songs mhm mhm so I, and, and but with that type of of training and making sure that I did that with every record I really don't think you know, all this also, you know, you got to be able to memorize all your lines for your live shows. So it's like a lot of the same type of things are involved with producing the music as an actor. So um, I think it's going to go well. I really don't think I think it will too, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you on all the screens, big screen, little screen, clothing stores, record stores, everywhere. This man will be. I believe you're going to be the next PDA, the next uh uh, Sean John, the, uh, the, the, the next record where all of them, uh, it's, it's time, it's time. And you, you, you definitely have, uh, a, a, a niche and a great insight on what this generation needs. On your, on, uh, your Facebook page, I, 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 I saw this and I wanted to ask you about it. And I'll, I'll use it as kind of a question to set up. Uh, for your work ethic, and you said my day starts at 7 a.m. and doesn't end until 12 midnight every day of the week. You said you said success has a recipe, and sitting around waiting for good things to happen for you is not part of that recipe. <laughs> that's badass, dude. I just want you to know that that's just badass. That's uh, kind of pasted on 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 the flat screen right there up in the upper left hand corner, man. Because that's really it, man. That is it. Yeah. It's that that's the mindset. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely it's, it's an attitude. Um, if you want to call it a, a, a swagger, like my my swagger is is work ethic. Um, when I was when I was recording an album, I recorded my entire album, and then, like I said, remember I'm talking about producing the music, writing everything. I did the whole album in two weeks. Wow! I went from, I, I went from nothing to a completely finished album. I was all to myself. In two weeks, and it was just that ability uh, to just lock in. I lock mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a task um, that I'm sent out to accomplish. You know, I put the blinders on, and I lock in. And it's not like obstacles are not going to come. You know, life happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's like I still got a job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really that's how I attack everything. That's how I attack um, raising my family. That's how I, that's how I attack business. That's how it's like anything that I that I put my mind to accomplish. I'm like, this the only way that I would fail is if I stopped. Mm-hmm. That all the time. I'm like, there's so many people that would have made it, but they stop before they break through. So I'm the type. I always have that in the back of my mind. Like, who cares about how <laughs> for everything to come and line up the way that it's lining up right now? It's only lining up the way it is right now because I didn't stop. If I stopped, if I stopped two years ago, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't be talking right now. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> I try, to, I try to spread. I try to spread that as much as possible. Um, you know, on on different platforms. So my Twitter is a is a platform. My Facebook is a is a platform. But I'm not on there just playing around. I know I have people that are paying attention to what I'm doing. When I say people, I'm talking about young people who are who are lost, who have no direction, who are looking to pop culture for the answers. And I'm like, that's not where they should be looking. But don't be so naive to believe that they're not looking there. Mm-hmm. I know I have those eyes. I know I have those ears. I, I take it as a responsibility to not poison them. And, oh, I love that. Love that, man. I honor you for that. I really do. Um, again, how can people get it? What is your Twitter? What is your Facebook? I know the website is half, uh, homebakedclothing.com. Uh, what is, what are your, what's your Twitter? What's your Facebook handle? How can people socially connect? Yeah, so for the, um, like I said, the homebakedclothing.com, that's for the clothes. Um, if people want to get at me as far as music, um, they can definitely go to 
P Gutter, P G U T T E R on on Bandcamp. Uh the new album is up there right now. Uh you can download on that. Um my Twitter is I try to keep everything the same. It's P Gutter Online, P G U T T E R online for Twitter, P Gutter Online for, for Instagram, uh P Gutter Online for Facebook, uh it's P Gutter T V for YouTube, P Gutter uh, on my I have a Vivo channel, so we go to P Gutter on Vivo. So I try to make it uh, real easy. And if people don't remember nothing else, just Google P.G.U.T.T.E.R. And okay. everything will will flood your computer. <laughs> and flood your mind. Dude, you got to come back on, man. You're awesome. Oh, man, I, I appreciate that. It means a lot to me, brother. I'm glad that, uh, you know, the, the work that I put in um, has inspired somebody else. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love what you're doing. Uh, come back anytime. Um, let me know what's new, especially if you get the uh, – I, 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 I got my fingers crossed. I think you're going to get it. Uh, barbershop, the next track, all of that. want to see you, man. I want to see you out there uh, 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 larger than you already are because you're pretty big right now. Yes, sir. No, we'll definitely, we'll definitely come back, and, uh, and we won't be a stranger. We'll let you know anything new that we got going on. We'll make sure that we drop it right here with you, brother. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, brother. You take care. All right, be good. Peace. All right, later.